speak out loud. Of course, we do that a lot here. So tell me what you think people's first reaction would be um, if you said, what is your impression of church? Hypocritical. Hypocritical. Fake. Fake. Thank you. That goes right along with our... Boring. Boring. Preachers. Preachers. Yeah. Drummers. Judgmental. Um, I got an email this week. There's a lady in Michigan. Her name is Davina, and she's going to hear this whenever she listens to this deal. Um, But she sent me an email, and she somehow found our podcast on the website. And uh, this week, I I sent her an email because she'd asked me some questions like three months ago. And I said, you know, I'm sorry I hadn't gotten back to you. Are you still listening? She she writes back. She says yes. And then she, she put this little paragraph at the bottom, and she said, I like Sunday school. I like Bible study, midweek Bible study, but I have a hard time staying awake in church. And uh, she said, I like listening to um, your, your sermons because um, uh, they, they, they're real. She didn't use those words, but that's basically what she was saying. They're real. And so if you're thinking about how you're going to go out and you're going to do church for real people in, in uh, Palestine, how would you do that? You know, if we were to ask them, what do you think? Most people do not have a good impression of church. And let me let me um, give you some some illustrations to back that up in the book. um, The day America told the truth, the authors went out and they surveyed people in the United States of America and asked them what they thought about various professions. They were to rank these professions in order of most um, ethical, most honesty, most integrity to the lowest. TV preachers came out almost at the very bottom. Um, They were below lawyers, politicians, car salesmen, and even prostitutes. Of the 73 occupations, 73 occupations compared in this integrity rating, only two ended up lower on the scale. Number 71 was TV preachers. Number 72 was organized crime boss. And number 73 was drug dealers. That's not very good for us, is it? Now, I don't claim to be a TV preacher. I don't want to be a TV preacher. That's not my ambition in life. But if someone claims to be a follower of Christ and they smear the name of Christ, that makes it more difficult for all of us. And most of us, most folks in this room and most people I know who are Christians, Christ followers, want to make a difference with their lives. They want to share Christ with other people, but they sure don't want to act like a television preacher. And they don't even want to be preachy like most preachers. So what are we going to have to become if we're going to have real church and we're going to do something that makes a difference in Palestine? Well, first thing is, the first issue on your listening guide is we've got to become real people. Not fake like the lady we saw in the video. Um... By the time they finished with her, you wouldn't even have recognized her, would you? That's what airbrushing can do for you. And I have no problem with getting your hair done. I get my hair done all the time. I have no problem with makeup. I don't wear makeup. Um, I don't have any problem with that. But, you know, when you have to stretch your neck, I thought that was funny. They made her neck longer and her eyebrows different and her eyes bigger. Do you see how much bigger her eyes got? So, so that when you see that magazine cover, you're going, wow, what big, beautiful eyes she has. No, she doesn't. <laughs> If you really looked at the, you know, at the comparison to her head, those eyes were way too big for that head. So anyway, I don't care how pretty and how they are. If they're too big for the head, that's going to freak me out. But they're just trying to capture your attention. So anyway, 
Jesus reached out to some really surprising people and he did some really surprising things along the way. But you think about the average church that, you know, are they doing surprising things? No, usually they do what is expected of religious people. And so churches become the places where a nice, pleasant, bland person stands in front of other nice, pleasant, bland people, urging them to be nicer, more pleasant and more bland. Jesus didn't come and live and die to, to create nice, pleasant, bland people. He died so that sinners would find grace and forgiveness for their sins. And they would be so excited about it that they could not keep their mouths shut about this difference that this person named Jesus had made in their life. And it's worth noting that Jesus didn't condemn bad people. He condemned stiff people. The only people Jesus ever got in their face were the religious folks who were supposed to know better. Whether it was a prostitute, a tax collector, or an outcast, Jesus reached out to them. At least he knew they were real. If people are real, Jesus knew that there's hope for them. But folks that, that think they know everything, think they've got it all together, think they are holier than thou, they don't need God. They claim to be protecting him, but they don't need him. And, and really, you know, if you're too full of yourself to need God, then, then you can't be real. And uh, around here... You don't need what we have to offer. Jesus was never embarrassed by someone's past. And he still isn't. Man, the kids are having a big time downstairs. <laughs> Sound like that's real church, man. We got real children and they are really running on the second floor. You can feel it. That's right, man. We have a good time. And, and Caleb, I'll have to give him a dollar because Wes is now his uh, agent. My son, if I, if I mention his name... I have to give him a dollar, and, but he's teaching downstairs today. And so um, Wes said it doesn't matter. Alex they, they said it doesn't matter. You have to give him a dollar anyway, even if I say my son or whatever. So anyway, last night um, he said, he goes, Dad, I'm so excited about tomorrow. And I said, why? And he goes, because it's church. And I said, really? He goes, I love church. Gets up this morning, he, he comes in, I'm, I'm reading through my sermon, and he lays down on the couch next to me, and he goes, Dad, I woke up this morning, and I was like, oh, man, it's another sorry day of school. He said, and then I thought real hard. I went, no, it's church day. I can't tell you what that means to me as a dad, that my kids want to come to church. We've built a place that my kids recognize is real, and they want to be here. He was excited that he gets to teach. He's working with little ones and they think he hung the moon. He's not some scholar in religion. He's a kid that just wants Jesus to use him. And that's real. It was the motley crew, the riffraff that hung out with Jesus and he was not embarrassed to be around him. And he's still not embarrassed to be around him. But he's still angry at the stiff ones. He still hacked off at people that play religion and put on the masks. From the beginning, we, we decided we were going to build a church that was going to be real. And our slogan really should be only real people allowed. Because if you're not real, you can't relate to any of us because we're a bunch of screw ups. You come to celebrate recovery one time. <laughs> and if if your eyes aren't this wide open when you leave, you, you know, because people are so real. Um, you'll come back and you'll go, man, maybe there is hope for someone like me. 
And maybe you know somebody that if you could communicate the message that they could come and just one time, maybe they would get that idea that I'm not so abnormal and maybe there is hope for me. If you're messed up and you want to find forgiveness and grace and peace and get free from your past, then by all means, this is the church for you. We uh, in each segment of our message today, we we've interviewed some folks and we just want to share some things with you. Drew and Kimberly McQuistion, two of the realest people that you're ever going to meet. Um, Drew does a lot of our our uh, video stuff. He's nuts. You think of Jim Carrey and that, I always think of. Did I say it right that time? I did. I did. I usually say Drew Carey and Alex gets on to me. Not the same one. Jim Carey. You think of that. Uh, Andrew always reminds me of him. Kimberly, she's out of town this weekend. She normally plays in our band. Here's what they had to say in this interview. We've added it up. You guys have been in church somewhere for a total of about 53 years when we had your ages together. You guys have all kinds of church experience. Why did you choose to come to New Life? Well, uh, well, I mean, it started out as I was going there because I was tired of the church. And I can't really put my finger on one thing. It's just one of those things just gets sick and tired of it. Uh, Kimberly uh, had come into my life. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was so, it was so just foreign to her that she didn't feel comfortable with it. And so she wanted to go back to our old church. So for a while we went back to our old church and I guess eventually she kind of saw that it wasn't really all that great. So, uh, or just not for us, I guess. Maybe it's our age group or whatever. But uh, Kimberly somehow got invited to play keyboard with her and uh, she said, well, sure. So, so I was kind of like, yes, we're leaving and we're back to, to, we're back to, to new life. So, uh, so that's how we got there. And the reasons that we're, that we're at this life is just because, first of all, I feel like with my out there strange personality, that, that there's a lot of things in our traditional church that just, well, they just have no place for a strange guy. <laughs> <laughs> What we like 
more than really, I mean, the worship is, is good and, and the preaching is good, but we can get good worship and preaching in other churches. Um, I would be looking for another place that, that would that would be willing and open to to letting me serve. That's, so a place you can plug in. I don't want to gain, I, I don't want as much to, to get out of church as I want to be poured out. And uh, I've learned that I'm going to be happy until I'm actually pouring myself into something. Not many places could you do the chicken dance on our counter back there and, and be considered normal to fit in. Well, if you're going to be real people then the next thing you got to do is you got to admit that real people have real problems. Uh, in the past 12 months, we've tried to address some of these very real problems. A year ago, we had just finished um, Life Hurts, God Heals. And we interviewed people and folks would get up on this the camera and they would talk about alcohol abuse and drug abuse and physical abuse and sexual abuse and all kinds of issues that are out there that, that the church does not seem to be addressing as a whole. And uh, so we started um, Celebrate Recovery a little over a year ago. We've just completed our first year, starting our second year of, of Celebrate Recovery. And, uh, you know, if you want free counseling, <laughs> just free counseling for any problem that you've ever faced, because we look at what God's Word has to say um, about our lives, free counseling, Sunday nights, 5 to 7 p.m. And I think tonight um, it is dessert night and you're supposed to bring a pencil and paper and, and tissues. And a laptop if you have one, because Jeff's going to get after some stuff tonight. Um, we did a series this past year called Forgiveness, the real F word. And we even did a T-shirt. I've gotten more comments about this T-shirt than anything else that I've, I've ever worn. Um, I was in Waco two weeks ago, and this lady in Sam's in Waco said, where did you get that shirt? And I said, well, first of all, we ripped it off from another church. They said it was okay, though. And... Um, then we printed shirts and we wore them. Well, what we were talking about is, is forgiveness is a real issue that, that we have, right? Or maybe we want forgiveness when we screw up. We want justice when someone screws up against us. And we figure out that's not the way God does stuff. God wants us to forgive one another just as in Christ he forgave us. Did we deserve forgiveness? No. Does anyone else deserve forgiveness from us? No. But we give forgiveness because God has called us to forgive others. When I hold on to past hurts, and, and in fact, you will never get well and you will never be a spiritually healthy person if you're holding on to your past. The only person that, that um, unforgiveness ever hurts is you. It poisons you. And you become a bitter person because you've practiced being a bitter person and no one wants to be around you. So we've got to learn to forgive. Another series we did was Just Lust. And... Uh, well, you talk about getting some some looks from people when when I tell them, yeah, we're talking about lust at our church. <gasps> you are. Seems to me that every organization in our society is talking about sex, except churches and married couples. And who should be talking about it? Churches and married couples. And and I want my kids. We we talk about stuff openly. Um, in our home, and I want my kids to be able to do that, to understand they can ask us any question at any time. And I want it to be just as natural as breathing that we talk about those things. And I want our church to be that way as well. And we found out some very interesting things about this. One of the things we did uh, was we interviewed Jason and Danae Selman. And uh, we've got just part of their interview. Here's what they had to say. 
quick question before we get into the meat of what we're going to do. Why in the world did you say yes when I asked you if you would come up and talk about the problems you've had in your marriage and when we talk about pornography? Why would you say that? yes? It works. Uh, for me, it's just an opportunity to testify to love. Um, the love of Christ that just became apparent in our lives. And uh, I just don't feel right about sitting on that and holding it just in our home, but just to share that because along with that love comes joy. It's just great. It's just great. Real, real issues that God really delivered us from. Sorry. Why did you agree to, to do this? I know I, by talking to people that I have shared, so many of the same struggles with people and never really realizing, you know, there's things that you want to keep in because you, you're afraid of, you know, what people would think. But then when you do finally cross that line and talk to somebody, you're like, this is the same as me. You know, they, they struggle with the same problem as I have, so I just believe it. Yeah, it opens up hearts. And it's the denial thing that keeps someone from coming to help. Right. And it was after she confronted you that, that you decided to, to do some things to, to turn your life around. You, you said one of the things you did was you committed to church. Right. When was it that, that you guys decided to get back in church? How long ago? It was about a year ago when we got into the last fight. Um, you know, when I felt like, I, the way I approached her was, I knew, I had been trying to read the Bible. I've been trying to do this, you know, my walk with God on my own. Up to this point, I just had issues with churches, you know. I, was like, um, I just didn't want to be out there. I had been burned in the past of my childhood, you know. And I just had issues. I felt like that was, uh, you know, I could, I could have a relationship with God on my own. But I couldn't, you know. And, and when we committed to this church, at that time, I said, hey, look, God has to be a priority in everything I do. I need to get into church, you know, and I, I felt like she would want to do this with me, but I told her, I said, you know, if we can't do this, then we need to be divorced because I can't, I can't do these two things. I, I mean, I was at the point, I just wanted to drop everything and just, you know, focus on God and, and focus on Christ. I know that looking back now, that's not the right way to deal with it, but uh, that's all I knew what to do. Honestly, you hadn't dealt with it that way. You hadn't come to me so boldly with that. If you hadn't turned to God, I mean, I think it would still be, you know, we'd probably be forced to try him. How did you feel when he came to you and said this? I was relieved when, when he finally, I mean, because all these years he was, you know, did the same. <laughs> he is so, you know, so, you know, smart when it comes to the Bible. And he, but he has all these questions that I could not answer. And he would be like, oh, well, I'm going to have to find somebody, you know. And luckily he did have somebody that could answer those questions for him. We got into some serious talks about pornography and how pornography had ruled Jason's life and how it was ruining his marriage. And one of the most incredible things that was, I think we, we looked on our website and on our podcast and we found out that was our longest service that we've ever done because we just kept talking about stuff and just listening to what God had done in them was fascinating. And you could hear a pin drop in, in this room when Jason and Danae started sharing about what God had done. And I don't know how many people have come to them now because they said, okay, you've had problems, you've survived, my marriage stinks, help me. And then we had lots of phone calls. That Lust series, man, I got a lot of phone calls. And one of my friends, he goes like, Doug, you are just messing up husbands by doing this series. Because our wives are asking us questions and we've got to be real. You know, and so he says, when she asked me this, what do I say? And so we had lots of very real discussions about this whole lust 
deal. And uh, Satan wants nothing more than destroy marriages. He's going to try to do it in, in this area of sex. And the only legitimate expression that a husband and wife have for their sexual drive, which comes from God, and it's a good thing. The only legitimate expression you have is through your spouse. And if we're not talking about it and we don't understand how to do this thing that God gave us called sex, and if we're not under God's authority, then then our marriages are really going to stink. And our our marriages are probably going to end up just like most other marriages. um, They're going to end up in the divorce courts. And so we want to do God's way of purity, and that is getting under God's word. A couple of months ago, we did a series called Parental Guidance Required. Now, I know that that nobody in this church that's ever come here has ever had any problems with with raising kids. But since we knew that Thanksgiving and Christmas was coming up and you'd be hanging out with your relatives and their kids, we thought we would prepare you so that, you know, you could hang out with difficult children. That's the only reason we did it. Not that you have any problems whatsoever. Um, We figured out that if we could go back into our past and dial in certain relationships and dial out other relationships that we probably wouldn't have done the dumbest things that we've ever done. When I'm stealing the street sign and, and, you know, getting arrested for that, I was hanging out, I told you all before, with the Baptist kids. If I could have dialed the Baptist kids out of my life and dialed the Methodist kids in, because I never got in trouble with the Methodist kids, then life would have been better. And so many of you came up to me and said, if I'd only known this stuff when I was younger, but we weren't just looking back at our past. What we're trying to do is figure this out so that our kids can uh, be raised up in a better environment than we were. Because all I want is my kids to love the local church. We pray this all the time. I want my kids to fall in love with the local church and I want them to marry someone who who is pursuing Jesus. And the only way you can figure that out is to be involved in a church. And then when you go to date, those of you who are single, start pursuing God. And as you pursue God, look around and see who else is pursuing God. And if they're cute, you know, wave at them. Hey, hey, you're running. What's up? You can have a good time pursuing God. And that's who you need to hang out with. Not some doofus back there going the other way. Because you will, missionary dating doesn't work. I was a youth minister for a long time. We always talked about this. And I've never seen missionary dating work where I'm going to lead him to the Lord. No, you're not. You're going to, your, your walk with Christ is going to suffer because you're hanging out with somebody that's going the other direction. And they're going to pull you down. So we talked about how if we could dial in our relationship with our kids and we could dial in their relationship with God. And if we could dial out the bad relationships and dial in, because you can't control your kids, all you can hope to do is influence your kids. And when when they get into the teenage years, uh, you can't control them now. They make bad choices now. I finally, the other day, yeah, now. (laughs) Yeah, shake your head, Nathan. We all know. Um, I finally told Caleb the other day, there's two bucks. I told him, I said, dude, do not tell me. I don't know when I ask you why you did something. I don't know. If you do that, I'm going to bust you. That's going to be a swat. And so the other day I went in and actually had to ask him. And, and he, he said, I don't. <laughs> and then he, he then he came up with a reason. I said, thank you. That's all I wanted was a reason. Um, because I don't know just doesn't work. They're going to make bad choices. If we can have influence in their lives when they're going through the major decisions, who they're going to hang out with, who they're going to date, what college they're going to go to, eventually who they're going to marry, 
I would like to have influence with my kids there because I can't have control. And, and we found out that that was some serious stuff that, that we needed to, to address. And then we just finished a series called Authority Issues. And we found out that most of the junk that's happened to us in our lives, most of it, is because we've chosen to get out from under God's authority in our lives. Use the whole umbrella illustration. And, and when you choose to, to disregard God, God says, OK, I'll leave you on your own, but you're going to be pounded by hell. H-E-L-L. When you get out from underneath my authority. And so we said that we've got to learn how to deal with these issues. And we talked specifically about last week about authority issues in marriage. And man, there's some of you were bristled up. You were ready to fight with me uh, because of what God's word says. But when you understand that, that a man's job description is sacrifice, we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. If I sacrifice for my wife, then, then I, she has no problem with her job description, which is submission. If I love her like Christ loved the church and she uh, submits to me as unto the Lord, we have this incredible marriage, which is what Jason and Nate were talking about. When they finally figured that out and got underneath God's authority, incredible things happen. And we talked about the big three submission or authority issues in finances with children and with sex. There's that word again. Oh, no, we said it in church. We're going to keep saying it in church. So what we figured out is if we're going to build the church that we think is going to make a difference, real people who admit they have real problems. But then the last thing is we can't just stop with the problems. We've got to have real solutions. We believe God is alive and well, that Jesus Christ is no longer in the tomb. And it's the difference between Christianity and every other world religion is the tomb of our founder is empty. You can go visit the, the bones of every other world religion founder, but not Jesus Christ. And that's because he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I think about this all the time. Resurrection power. Had you been there, saw Jesus laid in the tomb like his uh, like the. All of the followers that went out there, you know, the um, the two ladies who followed the tomb and Joseph of Arimathea, they all knew where where he was laid. If you had been the one to go on Sunday morning and seen the angel there going, you know, why are you looking for Jesus among the dead? He's living. He's alive. Go and find him. You would have been freaked out major league because resurrection did not happen in those days. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And then to prove it, he appeared to over 500 of his followers at the same time. That's a lot of testimony if you go into a court of law to prove that Jesus Christ was alive. His enemies said that the tomb was empty. They didn't have an explanation for it other than they said, well, the disciples stole the body. Not a legitimate uh, reason. But over 500 people saw him. And if we took just the testimony of those 500 people, we'd be here for about eight days listening to the testimony of people who said Jesus is alive. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available, the Bible says, to help you in your everyday life. But only if you get under God's authority and you do the things that God says. And so we've discovered that whenever we follow God's word. Whenever we do what God's word says, life change happens. And some of you are here today because there was a life changed in in this church. Um, God used this church to reach out to uh, Alexis Bryant and Casey Bryant. And we interviewed Alexis and we said, tell us about um, this life change, because since God has worked in her life, she hasn't been able to keep her mouth shut. And a lot of people have come because they've just seen what happened to her. Here's what she said. Tell us a little bit about why you came to New Life in the first place. Um, I came because uh, I was wanting to go to a church. Church and living every day the same as um, this church is 
not just telling a church anymore. It's a family. And um, you said it became a family. So how did it become a family? Um, just connecting with people and actually getting to know people. And really just a change in my heart, I guess. There's a lot of people that are at our church now because of you, because you've talked about in life. Why do you want other people to come to the life? Um, I, just, I want people to know that God can change lives. And um, I, just, I love the way you're able to tell us um, how to do this life. And so I, I just want everybody to be able to hear that. And so I love to put God first in our lives too. Okay, so you. You see, um, over the past few years, you see improvement in your personal life, mm-hmm. in your marriage. Yeah. In my marriage, was definitely um, just as really this past year has been a complete change for me. And of course, I'm thankful for Solar Recovery. That's one, been one of the greatest things you told me from Solar Recovery. If you were to grade new life on its realness factor, one to ten, ten being it's extremely real, one is really fake. Where would you race? Um, probably a 9.5. <laughs> 9.5 on a real Everybody show. that I've met is real, so. I want to show you where we came up with this whole idea of real people who have real problems, who find real solutions, and it comes from God's Word. Um, if you have your Bibles, you bring your Abundant Life New Bible. Uh, it's on page 53, Luke chapter 5. Verse 27, I was sitting in a conference back in 1998 when God gave me the dream of doing church like this. And we didn't start this church until 2002. And we said, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to reach people that other churches aren't reaching, then we got to have good music. (laughs) Because, you know, I just was convinced that none of y'all were driving down the road listening to organ music. I mean, even if you got serious satellite, you're not dialing in organ music, right? I was a church music major. I actually like Bach and Beethoven, and I can listen to that stuff a little bit, but not when I'm in my car. You know, usually it's background music if I'm studying or something like that. So we've got to have happening music. I want you to tap your toes. And I love our band. I, I love worshiping with them. I come up when, when they're rehearsing. I'm just singing, having a good time. That puts me in the mood to worship because they're so good at what they do. God's called them to do that. We said we want to have fun. We want to laugh. We want uh, people to come and go, man, I had no church could be like that. I mean, even Kimberly, who had this whole church background experience, she came and she thought we were weird the first few times. In fact, Keith and Heather did, too. I see her grinning right there. The first time they came, we were meeting in a pizza parlor and like, they're the weirdest people we've ever met. Now, look, they're here, man. They're part of family. They've been here almost since the very beginning. Um, and so we said we wanted to have a good time. But here's where it comes from. Let me show you very quickly in, in the Bible. Matthew 5:27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, Levi is also called Matthew. And so that's very important for you to understand as we go through this. Matthew's job when Jesus first met him was tax collector and tax collectors in the Jewish mind. You know, if we go to this whole popularity scale and integrity scale and all of that stuff, tax collector, I'm not lying. Tax collector was actually thought of as being lower than dung collector. So you had the dung collectors that went around town because, you know, their cars weren't as as fuel efficient as our cars. And so there's stuff on the, you know, like the sweeper, the street sweeper. That's how, you know, the parades over in Palestine is the street sweeper comes up and actually mashes the stuff down. Doesn't really pick it up. Anyway, you had a, a, a dung collector 
Tax collectors were a step below them in the Jewish mind because they were extortionists. Not only were they working for the Roman government, who they thought was evil, the Jewish people thought were evil. They also were allowed to charge you whatever price they wanted to. They had to give Rome so much. But if they could get more money out of you, more power to them. And so the Jewish people despised tax collectors. They were outcasts. Now, what happens with Matthew, Levi, is when he encounters Jesus, it changes him. And look at Matthew 5, uh, 27 and 28. Jesus says to him, follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything and followed him. And because he was changed after following Jesus inside and out, he wanted his friends to have this same experience that he had. Well, he had some some. Uh, if, if we could get into his mind back then, he, he had some options about how he's going to reach his friends and tell them about Jesus. One of one option would be that he could um, <laughs> he could bring his tax collecting friends to the temple and you have some long robed rabbi with his long beard and his little rabbi hat reading the Jewish scriptures to him. And he thought, no, my friends are the partying type, man. And I don't know if you remember back in high school days, there were usually two types of parties. There was the religious party, which we called a fellowship where, you know, you got together and you drank punch and cookies. And there was the raunching good time out in the pasture parties where your punch was spiked and, you know, that. And never did the two parties mix. If they did, the only time they ever did was at, at weddings. <laughs> and, and it was at the receptions at weddings. And what would happen? The non-religious people would eventually scare off the religious people and have the party to themselves, you know, because they'd be like, oh, I got to get out of here. And they would run. So Matthew, you know, he has this idea. No, I can't I can't bring him to church because, you know, they're not going to listen to some robed rabbi because they won't relate to him. He could have thought, well, you know, I'm in. I'm, I'm saved. My salvation is sure. My soul is going to heaven. And, you know, Jesus moves around too much. You know, they're just on their own. But he didn't choose that option. You know what option he chose? He chose to throw a party and to invite all of his non-religious friends and invite Jesus. Revolutionary idea. Never had anybody had this idea before. Let's bring the non-religious people together and the religious people together. And let's hope that somehow the religious people will rub off on the non-religious people and not vice versa. Oh, God forbid that that should happen. Now, I'm glad that he threw this party and, and his friends were like, party? Sure. The bigger, the better. Look at Matthew 5.29. Man, my eyes are getting bad. My optometrist told me this was going to happen. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Mary, uh, many of Levi's followers, tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? That's a pretty nice term for human beings. Scum. Um, I think Matthew wanted his uh, friends to be around somebody so real and so caring and so genuine as Jesus. And uh, the Pharisees, see, I think the Pharisees problem was they thought everybody was having too much fun. Religious people get like that. They want to uh, rule and regulate the fun out of your life. And so they think, that you know, it's against God's law to laugh. Um, God forbid that we should have fun at church. God forbid that we should wear normal clothes to church. God forbid that we should tap our toe and move to that devil music. I remember the big deal when I was in high school. You know, rock and roll is of the devil. 
And we play rock and roll and we just put Christian lyrics to it because we want to have a good time. Now, Jesus didn't back down when he was approached by these people. And here's what he said in Luke 5, 31, 32. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus said, what good does it do for someone who is trained to be a doctor to spend all of his time with healthy people? They're avoiding the very people they were trained to help. And Jesus says, basically, back off, dudes. You don't know what you're talking about. And this was a great idea. And, and one pastor that I heard uh, preach on this, he said, in other words, unconventional approaches that strategically mix the spiritual haves and the have nots are not merely acceptable. They are essential to God's plan to reach people for Christ. Imagine Jesus putting his arm around Matthew and saying, good job, Matthew. I understand your motivation behind what's happening here. You assessed your friend's spiritual needs and you looked at your options for meeting those needs and then you got creative. You took some risks. I want you to know, Matthew, that I love your ideas and I love your heart for lost people. And I'm honored to be a part of your plan to reach him. Let's get back to the party. Because Jesus hung out with people that were far from God. What I've just read and shared with you is what we call a Matthew party. And we decided back in 2002 that we wanted to have a Matthew party every Sunday morning. And the reason we do music and the reason we do videos and the reason we do all of this stuff is because we want you to bring people who are far from God. Because we are crazy enough to believe that if, if church is fun and if we'll love people, because never in the Bible do you see anywhere that my job is to uh, get you to change your actions. That is not my job. My job is to love you. It's the Holy Spirit's job to modify your behavior. So behavior modification is not my job. And that frees me up to love you as you are. Because God loves you as you are. But He loves you too much to leave you where you are. We're crazy enough to believe that if you come and you hear from God's Word, not from me, if you hear from God's Word, that somewhere down the line, your heart is going to be changed. Like Alexis's. Like Jason and Danae, I remember the first time they came. The, the reason they came the first time is because we were going water skiing after church. Had all the boats lined up out there. We were in our swimming suits and, and our flip-flops and we were ready to go. That's the reason they came. Didn't come back for six months. Then they came one more time and didn't come back for another six months. And I mean, it just went on. And eventually, Jason said, man, I got to go to church and this is the one I want to go to. Then they said, cool, I'm coming with you. And now they're in leadership in our church. We want to do things that make a difference because I'm addicted to life change. I see your lives change and I go home and I lay down, put my head on the pillow at night and I sleep soundly because I say, finally, God, I see you working in their lives. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. And what I want to challenge you to do is to be a part of it as well. Because you just look around this room and you think about the power that this many people have. If you say, sign me up. I want to be a part of something where people's lives are changed. Sign me up. And I want to show you one last thing. Mark 8.35 says, if you try hanging on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. God put you on this earth for a purpose. That purpose is to learn to serve Him and serve others, tell others about Him. And when you do that, there will be a satisfaction in your soul that you can't get through drugs, alcohol, sex, marriage, anything. You do that and you see another life changed. It radically affects you. It radically affects your children. And they want to come be a part of something like that.
The most dangerous prayer you could ever pray is God use me. And so I want to dare you to pray that prayer today.